لا تفرحك الطاعة لأنها برزت منك وافرح بها لأنها برزت من الله إليك قل بفضل الله وبرحمته فبذلك فليفرحوا هو خير مما يجمعون uses a Quranic verse here what does he say let not any obedience make you joyous I mean you should let obedience make you joyous he says let not any obedience make you joyous because it comes from you don't be happy because it came from you but rather be joyous over it becomes it because it comes from God to you that's why you should be extra joyous not because I did it because Allah made me do it Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd Allah reward the the author of these aphorisms these absolutely beautiful aphorisms may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enlighten his grave and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to follow in the footsteps of these great people and allow us to get the same understanding that they had so this is Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari's uh, Book of Wisdoms that we're covering. So the next one is number 51, which is on page 101. And it's number 51. We're going to do, um, yeah, 151 page, uh, sorry, 101 and 51. This is what he says. He says, لَا عَمَلَ أَرْجَى لِلْقُلُوبِ مِنْ عَمَلٍ يَغِيبُ عَنْكَ شُهُودُهُ وَيُحْتَقَرُ عِنْدَكَ وُجُودُهُ You'll have to think a bit deeply about this one. He says, there is no deed more fruitful for the heart than the one you are not aware of. What kind of deed must that be? A deed that you're not aware of. You don't pay any significance to maybe. And yet, it is more fruitful for the heart. We need to find this one out. And which is deemed even paltry by you, which you consider to be insignificant. What deed must that be? Subhanallah. So let us dive into this to try to understand what this deed this is, so maybe we can get more of these deeds, inshallah. Essentially, what he's saying is beneficial for the heart. Remember, we've been discussing this that ikhlas and sincerity is what actually gives life to any deed that we do. Otherwise, it's just the form. It's like having a laptop that doesn't work because its processor is gone. So it's a nice, beautiful laptop. It looks perfect, doesn't it? There's not a scratch on it, but its processor is gone. It's a car, no scratch, but it's gone. The engine's gone. So based on that, he's saying that these are the deeds which will give life to your heart. And you don't know that it's doing that because you don't think it's significant enough. He says that these are the ones which are by Allah and for Allah. You're doing them because Allah allowed you to do them and you're doing them for the sake of Allah. Now, you might think, what's the difference between those two? There will be some deeds that you might do for Allah, but you don't believe they're happening because of Allah. You think they're happening because of yourself. So you're patting yourself on the back. Allah doesn't want you to pat yourself on the back. He wants you to realize that whatever you do, it's by Allah anyway. And you're doing it for the sake of Allah. Meaning everything comes from Allah, everything goes to Allah. And you care for nothing else essentially. 
you, nothing else matters for you except the fact that Alhamdulillah this has come from Allah and it is for Allah nothing else matters it's just Allah 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 so what, what the, the main distinction in this is that this is the one in which you don't think that you had any part to play in this I made the effort I woke up I came I did this I strived I undertook this None of that matters. None of that is even in the picture. So you totally have no, no concern about the fact that you had anything to do with this. It's just that, oh man, it comes from Allah. That's all that matters. You don't even think that. It's not like you think it comes from Allah and I mustn't think it comes from myself. Eventually it's just like, it just comes from Allah. I'm not even thinking of myself. I mean, there's a, probably a build-up to it, but eventually that's what it's supposed to be. So you're just thanking Allah. It's just a state of thanks, essentially. So its actual form and everything becomes very, very small in your eyes. Because for you, it's just that, mashallah, Allah allowed me to do it. So the bigger idea is that Allah's allowing me to do something. And Allah is giving me the tawfiq to do something. So it doesn't matter how much you're donating in the path. Even if you've donated 10,000, which a lot of people might not be able to do, makes no difference to you because you're just like, oh, Allah allowed me to do this. He uh, gave it to me and allowed me to do this. Oh, I've donated 10,000. Wow. No, that doesn't even appeal anymore. It doesn't even come into your mind anymore. You can tell this is a very high level we're talking about. But if we never know about this level, we may never even strive for it. We'll be happy with the lower level. And that's the problem. We don't want to be happy with the lower level. Why does this happen? How can this happen, he says? It's because finally you've got to a stage where the greatness of your Lord has finally found its way into your heart. So that's all you can think about. It just subsumes everything else. It just veils and covers and just totally dissolves all other thoughts that happens with a number of things you think certain individuals are important when you get to the highest guy like okay forget these guys not like forget these guys they don't matter anymore because your focus is now the person at the top and in fact if you did go to somebody on the lower level the guy at the top would get a bit angry it's like you got direct access to me why do you have to go there for but you wouldn't because you've developed that relationship at the higher level. So the Avama and the greatness of Allah and the majesty of Allah and everything about Him is just so clear in your mind, finally you've recognized Him that nothing else eventually matters. He says that these are the kind of actions that will really give you a boost and enliven your heart and give it life. Others may, but to a lower level, this is the one that will really give it the life of your heart. And that is how you will eventually be able to be witnessing your Lord wherever you are and whenever the situation, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. That doesn't mean that you're going to start seeing Allah everywhere because Allah can't be seen in this world. But you'll start noticing Him, thinking about Him and seeing Him behind everything. Imagine that we can't avoid... Um, in this country, in many countries in the world now, you can hardly avoid your eyes falling onto something that we're not supposed to look at. 
Now, wouldn't that be very? Wouldn't it make life very easy that if you did happen to notice something that is absolutely attractive and stunning and beautiful, but haram for you to look at, that rather than looking at it sometimes, or that that would remind you about Allah straight away because He's the Creator of that. He's the one who created that beauty in the first place. So as soon as you see that beauty, you're like, Allah created this beauty. Oh, but Allah doesn't want me to be looking at this, so khalas. That, that would make life easier, wouldn't it? Rather than be like, oh no, no, this is haram, I can't look at this, I can't, let me stop myself. That's why the awliya, they just find these things easy. Even if they confront a fitna, confront a challenge, it's just easier for them because Allah just makes everything easier. Because they're always thinking about Allah. And they love Allah so much, they never want to upset Him or they never want to be on the wrong side of that. So they see something beautiful and it's like, okay, Allah created this. Do we think about Allah when this happens? No, it's just nafs, nafs, nafs. It's like beautiful, wow, you know. So he says that this is actually the spirit of conviction. This is the proper essence of conviction. This is when you, uh, when you reach this state. And this is uh, essentially what gives life to the hearts of the knowers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is their state. They, they'll, we, we, you know, it's me and the knower of Allah walking around. He'll look at things differently. I'll look at things differently. Then we process things, things differently. We'll be processing things differently. Um, so that's why he says that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give this person this kind of closeness and openness and consciousness, then his actions that he does, the person doesn't give them the weight. It doesn't mean he stops actions. He's doing actions, but he's just doing them in a different way now. It's like Allah's allowing me to do so. He's just constantly focusing on Allah. And in his eyes, the action becomes small, meaning his part in the action becomes totally small. Like it's an afterthought. The fact that I did it, oh, it's just goodness is happening in the world. You know, there's beauty that's taking place in the world and actions are happening and the sunnah is being followed. My part in it doesn't matter here. It's just an afterthought. It's like you did it. Yeah, I guess I did it type of thing. If not even less than that. So a person can't reach this stage until you make an effort with your limbs and heart in the beginning to start doing this. Because once we get used to doing good actions, then we can correct our intention. Because the actions are there. It does take a lot to produce an action. You know, all the effort in the, all the effort that we have to put, waking up, doing wudu, uh, spending, whatever it is. All of this is difficult, no doubt. So he says that once a person continuously does this, eventually they will come to a state where it won't matter that they did it. All that will matter is that there is goodness and obedience that is happening with Allah, uh, you know, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So essentially what will happen now is that all you're going to be focused on is the greatness of Allah and that Allah is being glorified. That becomes your focus. Um, there's a... One of the scholars, this is what he said. He says, مِنْ عَلَامَاتِ مَنْ تَوَلَّاهُ هُلَّاهُ فِي أَحْوَالِهِ أَنْ يَشْهَدَ التَّقْصِيرَ فِي إِخْلَاسِهِ How do we know we're at this stage? He says that one of the signs of the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made his wali, right? The one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has befriended and taken in his full care like that because they've, stri they've strived and gotten to that level. Now Allah, you know the hadith says that uh, you have to fulfill the fara'id, the obligations, and then 
you'll get essentially, uh, then you'll reach uh, the boundary. Without the faraib, you can't even reach the boundary. After that, you keep making an effort with the optional acts. And then he says, a time will come when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will become the hands by which you hold and touch and the eyes with which you see and the ears by which you hear. What does that mean? That means that you'll be fully then protected and guided. Not necessarily like the prophets, but as much as any other human being can be. That means you become a wali. That's a wali of Allah. The ones who are divinely protected you know, in most of their affairs. So he's saying that, how do you know you're at that level? Following, he says, You're constantly suspicious about your sincerity. You're constantly worried, like, have I got full sincerity yet? I don't think so. I need to work harder. Because Allah is infinite. So you want to, you know, you can never get this perfectly right as, as do you think. It's only up to Allah to accept it and forgive the little uh, or the big issues with it and forgive it. Number two, And you're constantly worried that you're not remembering Allah. And you see that from the Prophet ﷺ that when he came out of the bathroom, the toilets, he would say, Ghufranak, you'd seek forgiveness because I'm not allowed to be doing some kind of dhikr in the bathroom. That just shows that he was always doing dhikr and then he felt really bad when he came out, so he sought forgiveness. That's the Prophet's state. When nuksana fi sidki and deficiency in your veracity and truthfulness, am I really true and honest in what I'm trying to do? Well futura fi mujahadati and a weakness and incompleteness in my efforts. I'm, I can do much more. Right? Not, this is not to a level that uh, you become despondent say, forget it. This just drives you further. It's a different level. Right? You don't want that level which just makes you stop doing everything. I can't bother with this anymore. It's not that level. This is the level of beauty where it's just perfection. Because any artist, uh, any, any specialist in something, they enjoy what they're doing, but they want to get to perfection. So they're always critical of their own work. They're always critical of their own work. This is not that novice who starts and is like, oh, I can't bother with this. I can't get to it. Those guys never succeed, right? But this is the, the artist who is always trying to make it better. When a person is uh, worried about the shortcomings in his... Have I, am I expressing enough need to Allah? As much as I should be doing because I am needy? Am I becoming too independent? Am I relying on my own devices too much? Am I acting as the slave as I am supposed to be a slave? Or am I now getting too satisfied with what Allah has given me which gives me a false sense of security and independence? So he says, that means he's never satisfied fully with his own deeds. He's never fully satisfied. He said, I can do that much better and top this. I can make this better. That's how he progresses in this. That's how he progresses, he says. And he will then increase in his need towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his intentions, in his travels, uh, meaning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his path until finally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make him independent of everything besides himself besides Allah okay now you know he whatever that feels like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best
So that's essentially the deed we're looking for. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us some of these deeds. And you know, sometimes we have had an example of this. If you don't have this fully, sometimes like there's a deed we do and we just feel so humbled by that, you know, Allah gave me that ability. Like if that even comes a few times, that's good because then we get the taste of that and understand that. But it's not something you can just, it's not easy, I guess. It, it, you, we make the effort and keep asking Allah for ikhlas and sincerity and eventually this will come about. And then imagine there's going to be so much goodness in the world and we don't take credit for it. So selfishness goes out of the window. Then there's just goodness. There's just goodness and there's goodness. That's why there was so much goodness in the time of the Sahaba because they'd reached this kind of stage. This is what Sheikh Abdullah Gangohi says about this. He says that the deed, he's got a slightly different look at, a slightly different way of looking at this. He says that the deed that has the greater acceptance by Allah Most High is an act that the servant understands to be from Allah. You know that this comes from Allah. He discerns it with his heart and does not attribute it to himself. By viewing with the heart's eye, he says that if Allah Most High did not wish that I render this deed, never would I have been able to accomplish it. I think that's something we can definitely do because it's a reality. We would not be sitting here today if Allah had not chosen us to be sitting here. We could have been somewhere else uh, going out for dinner with a friend or... Um, just chilling with the family or as they say in Trinidad liming or having a fika in Sweden you know these are the different words of people just chilling out as they say and it becomes like a culture you do this and in England we've got a major culture of going out to eat now and for desserts and for chai now like you can't have tea anymore at home these are major distractions 20 years ago 10 years ago this did not exist but it just shows disposable income that people have Otherwise, you couldn't have tea shops the way we do, right? You wouldn't have dessert parlors two in every street if you didn't have that disposable thing. It just shows you where the community is. May Allah allow us to use it in a, in a good way. So the fact that we could spend time sitting together here uh, talking about the awareness of Allah. Thank you, Allah. Half, halfway there, I thought, you know, alhamdulillah, I did this instead of that. You know, and that was... Uh, that, that was where we attributed ourselves. You know, that was when we would be attributing to ourselves. But no, we want to say, Allah allowed us to be here. In fact, I think they go beyond that. They don't even say, Allah allowed us to be here. It's not even a thought, it's just Allah. There is no thought beyond that. It's not like even, I could think of this myself. That thought does not even arise anymore because it's just so Allah subhanahu Inshallah, one day we'll have that very quickly, inshallah. So then he says, by viewing with the heart's eye, he would say, if Allah Most High did not wish that I rendered this, this deed, then never will I be able to accomplish it. He should subsequently not regard his deeds as being of such significance, whereby he guarantees for himself the attainment of divine proximity. <clears throat> Think, I've done this, I'm definitely close to Allah. That guy doesn't do that. All of those guys don't do that. Right? I'm here, I went away from my friends and I sat here, and they're probably having a good time. But you know what? I'm going to get Jannah because of this for sure. Inshallah, I'll get Jannah is okay. But I'm definitely going to get Jannah with this because look, I'm the only guy who's doing this here. On the contrary, from his perspective, he should consider it unworthy of acceptance. Because are we really fulfilling the rights? Little bit we've done, mashallah. You know? Since it has emanated from himself. Now I'm talking uh, about this 
at an advanced level. I mean, you're not going to go and tell somebody who's just starting off the deen, you know, starting practice, and you're going to tell him this is going to say, oh, that's just beyond me. Well, you'd be surprised. Right? But yeah, this is not for everyone. This is for people who are already on the path. They've already kind of figured it out. This is the, uh, this is the upgrade. This is the further upgrade. When deeds possess such a balance between hope and fear, they readily find acceptance in the divine court. The next one, uh, he says, لا تفرحك لأنها برزت منك. So this is the next aphorism that he's doing, which is on page 102, aphorism number 58, wisdom number 58. He says, لا تفرحك لأنها برزت منك. وافرح بها لأنها برزت من الله إليك. قل بفضل الله وبرحمته فبذلك فليفرحوا وخير مما يجمعون. Uses a Quranic verse here. What does he say? Let not any obedience make you joyous. I mean, you should let obedience make you joyous. He says, let not any obedience make you joyous because it comes from you. Don't be happy because it came from you. But rather be joyous over it because it comes from God to you. That's why you should be extra joyous. Not because I did it, because Allah made me do it. And then the verses say that in the grace of Allah and in His mercy, in that they should rejoice, it is better than that which they hoard themselves. That verse tells you pretty uh, indirectly that what you have is nothing. It's what comes from Allah. That's what's great, both in terms of this world and the hereafter. So how, how do we understand this? Let's look at this in a bit more, uh, in a bit more detail. So don't get too excited because of worship came from you. Remember, a beginner, they should get excited because you know, they might not be able to make that double step. But um, this is... Uh, yeah. So there's a hadith that we've already read before which said that مَنْ سَرَّتُ حَسَنَاتُهُ وَسَاءَتُ سَيِّئَاتُهُ فَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ Whoever's good deeds make them joyous and bad deeds make them uh, unhappy uh, or feel bad, then they are true believers. Right? Um, now, what does this joy mean? And uh, what the ulama say is that people are on three different levels with regards to joy. Okay? Uh, in terms of when you do a good deed and you get joyous about it, there are actually three levels of this. See, the more we read of this, the more intricate it's becoming. You know, the other, in the other session, about two sessions ago, we uh, learnt about the three different levels of ikhlas. Right? And we probably found ourselves at the first level and then we're like, oh, there's actually two more levels or higher levels to go. So he's saying that even the kind of joy that you should feel, there are three, le uh, three different types of people in that regard. There's one group, they are very joyous that when I do a good deed, mashallah, I'm going to get blessings because of this. And again, that's great for the first level. It's not a bad level, it's just the first level. There are further levels above this. Don't stop here. There's other levels you need to, right? And, uh, oh, it's also going to protect me from the adab and the punishment. Right? I didn't miss my prayer, so it's going to protect me from the punishment. So... You see, these people, if you were to analyze their state, they think that I've done this myself, I've achieved this myself, and I've uh, protected myself. So they're thinking of themselves still too much here. You need to go a bit higher than that. So essentially, what they've not freed themselves of yet is that I did it. 
they still think their energy and their power and their ability is still part of this. And yes, for an, out, uh, from an, out, for an outsider, clearly it is because you, know, you don't do things automatically, so you do have an effort. But the point is that in terms of Allah, it's, it's actually all from Allah. So he says, now this might be a bit difficult, he says that these are the people who just stop at Iyaka na'budu. We worship you. Right? That's where they stop. Right? The next level, he says, are those people who are joyous and excited and happy when they do a good deed because they realize that Allah is going to be satisfied now and He's going to accept. And this is going to cause me to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See, it's a totally different reason, isn't it? You're not worried about being uh, just protected from hellfire anymore. You're worried about satisfaction of Allah, which is a higher level. Right? But it's not the highest one. And they realize that this must be a gift from Allah because He's happy with me, so He's, he's allowing me to do this. So you're getting there now. This must be a gift from Allah that He's enabled me to do this. So these kind of actions, when you feel that kind of joy, it's going to get you closer to Allah and into His presence. Right? Where you start thinking about Him. They don't, they're now not really considering their own actions in there. Okay, as much. Because they realize that I must do this and Allah is happy with me. So then you can see that they're becoming a bit blinded towards their own effort in this. Right? Not fully, but they're there. They're, they're getting into this. Because what they're thinking is that I'm just glad that Allah has chosen me for this now. He's, uh, he's empowered me. So you see, it's not about them anymore. It's more about Allah is empowering me. So Allah is fully in the pit picture. So he says that these are the people who've gone beyond iyyaka na'budu to wa iyyaka nasta'in. So not only, oh Allah, it's only you who worship, but we ask you for assistance. So they've realized that you can only, uh, it only comes from Allah and you need Allah. So these are the people of iyyaka nasta'in. Now, before we move on to the third category, he says that the people of the first category, category, their worship was for Allah. Clearly, right? It was for Allah. But the second people, their, their second group, that, their worship was for Allah, but it was also through Allah. They recognized that they couldn't have done it themselves and it's through Allah only. They've got that additional package with them. So it's not just, I'm doing it for Allah. I've done it for Allah. No, Allah allowed me to do it. And of course it's for Allah. I mean, if Allah, if you think in Allah allows me to do it, who else is it going to be for? Right. So they realize that, that it's only through Allah's qudra. And he says that, kabir. There's a massive difference between those two levels. Okay, now the third group is those who become excited by an action. They're just excited by Allah. Nothing else comes into the picture here. They don't, they don't even, they absolutely are oblivious to even themselves in this regard. MashaAllah, I'm doing a, you know, this is a good deed is taking place. Not that I'm doing it necessarily. A good deed is taking place. And Allah is allowing a good deed to happen. They're constantly in the, they're constantly conscious of their Lord. So, if a good deed takes place uh, 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 with them, it's Allah allowed it to happen. And if they ever do do a wrong, because they can still do a wrong, they're not prophets. 
they might uh, get stuck in the wrong place at the wrong time and they might make a little mistake and slip up then they seek forgiveness from Allah out of Adam um, while they're supposed to actually think that everything happens because of Allah they're not total fatalists they still realize that my job is to seek forgiveness here so they're not totally gone crazy in that regard that oh I'm just like a leaf and because that's not our worship that's not our belief is it out of respect for Allah they seek uh, they, they excuse themselves and they uh, they seek forgiveness for that so essentially now they're at such a level that their state does not change they they're just everything is happening for them they're just so connected to Allah that they're doing everything of the world but their state does not fluctuate too much so then he says they are the arifin they are the true recognizers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so he then says a person who is striving to get close to Allah don't get so overjoyous when you do a good deed because it's come from you why? Because you will be doing shirk with Allah. That's a surprise. How does shirk come into this? <coughs> Again, don't ever say to somebody who's just starting. I'm doing a good deed. You're telling me you're doing shirk. You're ascribing partners to Allah. Well, you are because Allah is the one who allowed you to do it and made you do it and enabled you to do it. And you're thinking that you did it. So aren't you thinking that somebody else has the ability to make you do a good deed in yourself? Aren't you becoming a partner to Allah? Did you ever think of shirk like that? And uh, th this, is, this is an issue. Allah wants pure monotheism. Pure monotheism. That's why the Prophet ﷺ was like, nothing but Allah. That's it. It was nothing but Allah. They, they had this as a reality, mashallah. It was easy for them to wear the Prophet ﷺ. But Allah reward these, uh, these writers who tell us these things, these knowers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because without them we would be lost. So then he says, then you would become a mushrik with your Lord. Because Allah, why? This is further, if you, if you still have any doubts. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is totally independent of you. He doesn't need you. Or your worship. So if you think that a worship came from me, well, Allah doesn't need that worship from you. Allah wants you to realize that it only comes from Allah. That's what he wants, that you just fulfill what he told you to do in this world. You earn your living, that's obligation, but you don't forget him. And then you realize that everything you do, your earning you get, and the worship you do, it's all from him. And he is so independent that he would need you to even worship him. So you should think, well, he doesn't need me to worship because it doesn't increase him in any way. So that means I'm just thankful that I am where I am. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ جَاهَدَ فَإِنَّمَا يُجَاهِدُ لِنَفْسِهِ Inna Allaha la ghaniyun anil alameen Surah Al-Ankabut, verse 6 Whoever makes any effort, whoever strives, whoever undertakes hardship to get anything done They're only doing it for themselves Allah is declaring that in the Quran Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is surely, totally independent of all the worlds He means nobody at all The Prophet sallallahu also said and this is a hadith uh, Qudsi where he relates it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah said, My servants, 
لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنسكم وجنكم كانوا على أشق قلب رجل من رجل واحد ما زاد ذلك في ملك شيئا. It's a longer hadith, but this is the main part that he wants to bring here. He says, if if the first of you, from the first man to the last of you, and not just men but insan and jinn, humans and jinn kind, if they were all on the state of the most righteous man among you. You know the one who has the greatest taqwa, everybody was on that level. It would not improve and increase in my kingdom even the slightest. I have what I have already. I don't need your worship. I'm doing this for you because I wanted to do this. So, at the end of the day, the excitement you feel at a worship is a gift from Allah as well. Right? At any level, it's a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it just indicates that you have now become essentially a place for the manifestation of Allah's blessing. Right? There's different people in the world, some, and some people are just more of a place of show and manifestation of Allah's blessing than others. So, I'm just happy that Allah has chosen me to be a manifestation like that. So, the farh, the, the, the happiness you have, is just that uh, you're receiving Allah's fadl and His ihsan. Because Allah says, uh, we, we, and it's fine to be uh, happy with that, because Allah says you must be, in Surah Yunus, verse 57, uh, 58, Allah says, قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَبِرَحْمَتِهِ فَبِذَلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُوا هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ What a tafsir. He says, say that with the grace of Allah, or by the grace of Allah and His mercy, that is what they should be excited about. If you want to be happy and joyous about something, then be happy and joyous by the grace of Allah, if it comes, and His mercy. That is truly something to be thankful for and to be joyous about and that is much better than what they're gathering that's much better than what they're gathering so what exactly is the fadl of Allah and what is his rahmah Allah says that's what you must be that's what you have a right to be joyous about right so what is the fadl of Allah and what is the rahmat of Allah so one is what we generally just understand but here I'm going to give you views from different uh, different ulama as to what they said it was one view is Allah's fadl and grace is His guidance and His enabling somebody to do what's right. To showing us the path and then allowing us to do it. That's His fadl. And His rahmah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen us and brought us closer. Number two. They, they all make sense. They all, it's just different ways of saying it. The fadl of Allah is that Allah gave you Islam, the ability to submit. And the rahmah is that you have the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an provides you the whole guidance in that regard. The, another opinion says, the fadl of Allah is that He has guided you to the faith. And His rahmah is actually paradise. Others go a bit deeper, deeper and they say that His fadl is that He's given you the pure understanding of evidences for tawheed. That you've got a pure understanding of that. So you are fully monotheistic. You don't do shirk even with yourself with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's a number of other opinions. So that is essentially the, where we need to be. And hopefully uh, that 
Now that, you see, if you want to get anywhere, you have to have a knowledge. If you don't know a place exists that is so beautiful, you won't ever, unless you stumble upon it. And some people Allah does, if they even know this, Allah just gives it to them. Very few people. But for the rest of us, uh, we need to know about it. Everything starts with ilm, with knowledge. If, you did, if we didn't know these three levels, we'd be satisfied where we are at the basic levels. And they realize, hey, there's a lot more products here. You know, you've got a really great jacket, right? Because everybody's talking about it. You've got the basic level. And somebody saying, oh, there's some higher levels. You know, there's, you can get more customization. And then like, oh, that opens up your eyes. For the dunya, right? So same thing with the akhirah, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now let us read to you how Shaykh Abdullah Gunguhi explains it. Um, he says, uh, remember that this was let not obedience make you joyous because it comes from you but rather be joyous over it because it comes from Allah to you so say in the grace of God and in his mercy is that they should rejoice it is better than that which they hoard when the servant gives vent to exhilaration and feels proud of his acts of worship thinking that he has rendered these by virtue of his own choice and will then he will be guilty of displaying ingratitude he keeps it light he says ingratitude the other uh, explanation said that you'll be doing shirk right the happiness of the servant on account of having practiced righteousness should be really because he knows that he was able to render this deed by virtue of allah's grace mercy and aid that's why he expressed his gratitude to allah most high who enabled him to execute the deed of virtue and uh, once you learn shukr and once you learn that allah is behind everything then every time you think of this, you will eventually say, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. There's just going to be so many things to say Alhamdulillah for. Any little deed you do, you think about it, it's like Alhamdulillah. Allah, all praises to Him because He allowed it. Otherwise, He would never be able to do it. <coughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us this reality and tawfiq. He's given us the knowledge of it. We expect that if He's giving us the knowledge, He wants to take us further, inshaAllah. وآخر الدعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا الله يا الله we thank you يا الله we can't thank you enough oh Allah we ask you oh Allah we can only ask you we ask you from your mercy from your generosity oh Allah we are so grateful that you have made us muslimin you gave us existence in this world and chose us to be believers chose us to at least understand you uh, to some degree. O oh Allah, grant us increase in that recognition. O oh Allah, grant us better understanding of you and better understanding of what we want. And O oh Allah, enable us to do what pleases you. And O oh Allah, enable us to avoid what displeases you. O oh Allah, allow us to value your pleasure and allow us to value everything that comes from you and to recognize that it all comes from you. O oh Allah, reward all of these scholars who have shown us the way. Send abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
for guiding us in this way and for leaving this guidance. And O oh Allah, bless our ulama for guiding us. And O oh Allah, we ask that you reward our parents for bringing us into this world and bringing us up. O oh Allah, allow us to be true, true believers. Allow us to do our job now if we are parents. O oh Allah, if we are spouses. O oh Allah, if we are whoever we are, allow us to fulfill our roles properly. Allow us to fulfill our roles and to be equipped to do this. Oh Allah, you have given us a manual of the Qur'an, but we constantly neglect it. You have given us much commentary in the words of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and we don't take it seriously. Oh Allah, allow us to follow in the footsteps of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Follow his sunnah and make his sunnah beloved in every deed of ours, in every way of ours. Oh Allah, allow us an understanding of that and make us better by each day so that our, the best part of our life will be the final part of our life. And oh Allah, allow us to die with the kalima. Allow us to die in earnestness to, to, to meet you and to be with the company of our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa To drink from his hands at the hold, at the water reservoir and then eventually enter paradise and be able to see you Oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq and the value of these things and make our life easy and conducive for this fact. Oh Allah, you have blessed us abundantly, more than so many others in this world. But oh Allah, we take it for granted. And sometimes we even use whatever material you have given us, whatever resources you have given us. We sometimes even use it for your displeasure, to disobey you and to do things which disobey you for just our personal satisfaction. Oh Allah, allow us to overcome our nafs, allow us to be on this path, but above all, just make it easy for us. For you, it's just a little decision you have to take. For us, it's a lifelong toil and, and struggle. Oh Allah, make it easy for us. And grant us afia and grant us protection from the disgrace of this world and the disgrace in the hereafter, especially the disgrace in the hereafter. Oh Allah, bless us in what you have given us and forgive us all of our wrongdoings until today and allow us to be protected in the future. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you bless these masajid and bless our ulama and send your blessings upon Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.